It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. Welcome into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, January 21st, 2010. We're glad you're part of the program, the third of 2010, and we hope you'll make take a minute to be a part of the program, to make our program better tonight. Comment on the program tonight by giving us a call at 877-381-4567 or emailing questions at collegeview.com. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you on Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. We look forward to our discussion. We look forward to participation by our listeners. We always encourage that. And you've already mentioned some of the ways they can get involved with comments during the program. We definitely encourage that. We think that makes the program better and more interesting. And so if you have thoughts that you'd like to add in, by all means, please participate with us tonight as we study what I think, Jake, is a pretty good and important, necessary Bible subject. Absolutely. This is a very important Bible subject because Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, that we need to have love for each other, and that's how the world would know that we're his disciples John 13, 34 and 35, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another by this. Shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another? We're going to talk about brotherly love tonight because it is an indicator of whether or not we're following Christ. Exactly right. It's important for us to have a, a, a right level of love for our brethren because basically if we don't, we're not what God wants us to be. So that's what we're going to be talking about in our study tonight, brotherly love. We want to talk about the proper manifestations of it and the the things that brotherly love will prevent from happening. In fact, Jacob, earlier today to our update list, th- those were the questions that I posed. We're getting some feedback. We'd like to get a lot more. Uh, you can respond to these questions by emailing us at questions at collegeview.com. You can get on our update list the same way. Questions or you at can call. If you don't want to type your answers, give us a call with them tonight. That's right. But here's the questions I put out earlier today. Number one, if we possess a proper level of love for a brother, what will the necessary manifestations of that love be toward him? In other words, uh, if, if I love my brother, what will I do? How will I, how will I show it? Uh, and then the second question is the flip side to that. What kind of things will not be present in my thoughts and actions if I have brotherly love? So we're going to talk about both. On the positive side, what does brotherly love cause me to do for my brother in regards to my brother? And then on the other side of the coin, what does brotherly love keep me from doing? What, what would I not do if I have a level of brotherly love? And then toward the end of the program, Jacob, if we have time, I put out a question about hospitality and ask how is hospitality related to this subject of brotherly love. I think there's some connection there. I'd be interested to get more input from our listeners on the idea of hospitality and brotherly love as uh, uh, to what extent they are joined together. All right. We want to hear from you at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com, or if you're watching our live video feed, you can join in a chat room with other listeners. The instructions are on the bottom of your screen if you're viewing us uh, in the video feed tonight. And uh, you can join in the chat room today, there, which is very active already tonight, and some new uh, names in the chat room tonight. Uh, so if you would, uh, identify where you're listening to us from. I see one listener from Hot Springs, Arkansas, I assume. And so maybe some others out there as well from different uh, areas of the country or perhaps around the world. So we'd like to hear from you. Let let us know where you're from if you're in the chat room there tonight. We're talking about brotherly love. Give us a call or send us an email. It is an important topic. Jesus said in John 13, 34 and 35 again that it was an indicator. And, you know, a lot of times we think about things that people could use to identify whether or not we're Christ's disciples. Lots of good things they can use. But I'm afraid we may neglect the area of brotherly love as being a very important indicator. Exactly right. In fact, maybe that's the first point we might want to make, Jacob, is that our relationship with God is no better than my relationship with my brethren. 
Uh, think about that for a minute. I want to have a top-notch relationship with God. I want my relationship with God to be the best that it can be. Any right-thinking person would think that way. Those who don't care to have a right relationship with God are not not in touch with reality. If we know the truth, then we want our relationship with God to be the best it can be. But I'm saying that our relationship with God can be no better than the relationship that we have with our brethren. And I would base that on what John said in 1 John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. Well, you already read that one, Jacob, about that this was a new command from Jesus that we should love one another as Jesus uh, loved, we should love. And there's the bar, too, as well, showing us the extent to how we should love our brethren, the same as he loved us. Exactly right. Uh, but if I can't, First uh, John, John chapter um I'm missing up my verses here. First John chapter 2, verse 7. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you had from the beginning. This is the message that you heard from the beginning, that you should love one another. First John 3, verse 11. So that is that is the commandment. And, and here's the verse I really wanted to stress, and I, I was having trouble finding it. First John 4, verses 20 and 21. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen... How can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this is the commandment, uh, and this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. So the Apostle John, who a lot of times is referred to as the Apostle of Love, showed the common sense aspect of this love for brethren. He said, if if I can't love my brother that I can see and relate to face to face, if I can't love him, how can I say I love God? God I can't see face to face. That's that's a, that requires more abstract activity. Uh, you know, I've got to work harder at that since he's not visible to me and I can't see him or touch him. And so John is making the argument: if I don't love my brother, I'm just lying when I say I love God. So that's that would be the basis upon which I would make this first point: that our relationship with God is no better than our relationship with our brethren. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but 1 John is one of the later books of the New Testament. I think so. Uh, he references back to the beginning of Jesus's uh, instructions here on this earth. So really we have the New Testament more or less bookend by the idea that we need to be loving our brethren. If we are not loving them as we should, we can't uh, we can't love God as we should. Yeah. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com or joining the chat room. They're, they're, they're chiming in in the chat room where they're listening from tonight. We have Fresno, California on the line. Uh, three listeners from Edmond, Oklahoma. Good contingency from there. And Hot Springs, Arkansas. So glad that you're all out there tonight uh, on the virtual Bible study. Great, great. Dave, just to, to, to maybe illustrate the point we're just making if you can't love god or excuse me can't love your brother whom you can see how can you love god whom you cannot see john said that'd be sort of like a kid begging his parents for a for a new puppy oh if i could only have a puppy if i if i could have a puppy i would love that puppy i would take care of that puppy i would feed that puppy get its water clean up its messes i'd do everything if i could just have that new puppy and the parent says uh uh really you would do that, and and the child says, "Oh yes, it'd just be wonderful to have that puppy, and I would do everything to take care of that puppy." And the parent says, "You remember that goldfish you had last year, that you that you wanted so bad, and how that you didn't take care of it, and algae grew all over the fish bowl, and it starved to death and died, and we had to flush it down the toilet. You remember that? If you couldn't love that fish, a fish takes a lot less care than a puppy. If you couldn't love the fish and take care of the fish, how are you going to take care of that puppy?" That seems like a logical argument. And that's basically the argument that the Apostle John is making when he says, if you don't love your brother, you you're, you really can't say that you love God. Sorry. Okay, excellent. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Now, you ask a question that uh, if we have this love that Christ demanded from us, that uh, he expects of us, and that is so necessary for us to be in a right relationship with God, if we have that love in our lives and it... Uh, is affecting the way that we relate relate to our brethren. It's going to change uh, the way that I behave towards my brethren, and it's going to manifest itself in certain ways. That's right. And we want to talk here first about some of the positive things that will that it will will cause us to do. And the first thing that I'd mention, Jacob, is I believe that if I love my brother, then I'm going to want to provide positive encouragement by word and example. I'm going to want my my 
influence on him to be helpful. I will think about that. I will think about what I'm doing and whether it is it's going to encourage him or discourage him. Right. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, it says, encourage one another day after day. And so that suggests that it's a regular activity of Christians. I want to think about my brethren and every day, day by day, I want to do uh, the kind of things that will serve as a positive encouragement for my brother. First uh, Thessalonians 5, verse 11, the New American Standard Version says, Therefore, encourage one another and build, one an- uh, build up one another just as you are doing. Early Christians saw a value in that. We should see a value in that. If I love my brethren, I want them to be strong. And so I'm going to try to set the right example and be the positive encouragement to them that will help them be strong if I love them. Absolutely. And another way that I'll show that is by being faithful in my assembly. And a lot of people, I think, view assembling uh, and to worship as just some type of uh, chain that's around their neck, some kind of burden that they have to do. Uh, but simply it is not the case because Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 give us at least one reason why we assemble. And that is in beginning of verse 24 of Hebrews chapter 10, and let us consider one another to provoke into love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. If I don't get anything else out of assembling, which I will, but if I if it was if there was nothing in it for me, I ought to do it just for the fact that it is an opportunity for me to encourage my brother. Exactly right. Actually, if we if we're viewing it right, we also realize that it's an opportunity for us to be encouraged as well. Uh, but even if it wasn't, you know, I would still want to do it because I have the opportunity to encourage them. I mean, I if this is if this relationship is working i'm getting back from them and i'm giving as well so it's it's a reciprocal kind of situation to illustrate this so the the prevalent attitude we hear by many people who uh who want to forsake the assembly is they say well i just don't get anything out of it and we we're coming to the assembly wanting people to to encourage us without us loving our brethren enough to want to be here to encourage them yeah so that that's just one example of that's just one specific of this general idea. I want to conduct my life in such a way that I end up being an encouragement to my brethren, not discouragement. I'm sad to say that through the years, there, in my personal experience, I imagine everybody listening would agree. There have been plenty instances when brethren were a discouragement by what they did and how they acted. They discouraged rather than encouraged. Well, it's wrong on so many levels. Living that way as a Christian, failing to do your duty and letting down in your responsibilities is wrong on a whole bunch of levels. One of those levels is that when you do that, you're you're hurting your brethren and you're not showing that you love them. You don't it's it's almost like you don't care that that you're a discouragement to them. Total disregard for whether or not my actions would encourage that person to be more faithful or not. I, yeah. I don't care about them enough to worry about that. Yeah. So that's a lack of brotherly love. You know, and Paul was worried about this as well. He, he would do, he would deprive himself of things that he could be doing if it was going to be a discouragement to others. People today say, I've got my rights. I can do this if I want to. I don't care what other people think about it. And certainly uh, they're not showing the kind of love that Paul had for his brother. You know, this, this, this bleeds over, Jacob. This kind of thinking bleeds over into a lot of things, other things that we've talked about on the virtual Bible study in past episodes. For instance, it, uh, if I'm really concerned about my brethren, then it's going to influence my choices about, for instance, the kind of clothes that I wear. If if I don't want to be a discouragement to my brethren, if, if they would see me dressed immodestly or inappropriately, uh, it'll, it'll affect the way I talk. I, I, I'm not going to use coarse language, say bad words, tell dirty jokes. If I realize, I mean, there's a lot, there, there are many reasons why I shouldn't do that. One of the reasons should be, if my if my brethren witness witness me doing that, they'd be discouraged, and I don't want to discourage them. I want to build them up. I don't want to tear them down. Where I, uh, where I go, how I act, the people I associate with, all of those kind of important decisions should be colored by the fact that I love my brethren, and I don't want to do anything that would bring them down. I want to encourage them in all ways. Absolutely, and it's so, it's so sad that we see people who have such disregard for their brethren, including their family. Uh, when they don't live as they should, and it shows that they just don't care 
uh, don't love their brethren and their family as they should. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. We'll take a quick break and continue the discussion of brotherly love on the other side. Plenty of time for your comments on the program tonight. We'd love to hear from you. There's plenty of time, plenty of things to discuss. So why not give us a call at 877-381-4567 or email questions at collegeview.com. Don't forget, you can join in the chat room as well. We'll continue right on the other side of this break. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Do you remember when elders, deacons, preachers, Bible class teachers, and all church members had a strong commitment to the Word? Do you recall when you could always count on book, chapter, and verse preaching from the pulpit? Can you think back to a time when Christians were known as people of the book because they knew their Bible so well? The College View Church is still trying to be a church like the church you read about in the Bible, and they're still doing the same things that you remember from way back when. Are you longing for a return to the way things used to be? Come and visit. See for yourself at the College View Church of Christ. Computers are good for lots of things, but there's no better way you could be using yours than to participate in the virtual Bible study every Thursday night. Can you think of a better use of your time? And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. Welcome back into the program tonight. We're glad you're a part of it. We're talking about brotherly love, and we're looking forward to hearing from you. One verse that I was trying to think of while we were talking, I couldn't until we quit, took the break, and, uh, and I was able to concentrate. 1 John chapter 5, verse 2 says explicitly what we're talking about. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Living as I should demonstrates that I'm not love only love brethren. for God, but love for my brethren. Right, I can't love my brethren. I'm not loving my brethren. I'm not loving my family as I should unless I'm keeping God's commandments. Good point. So we've got to make sure that we're trying to be an encouragement. Um, Keith, uh, uh, in, he's in Middle Tennessee, north of Nashville. I can't remember where Keith is in Gallatin or Hendersonville, someplace in that area. Keith has written in. Yeah, he's participated in the past with us on the virtual Bible study. He says, Hebrews 10, we're told to exhort one another. Paul further wrote that we are to provoke one another to love and to good works. When we love our brother with the same intensity of love and caring as Jesus manifested, then we will have love perfected. So Keith makes a point along those same lines that we were just mentioning, Jacob. All right, exactly. So thank you, Keith, for being a part of the program tonight. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Give us a call. Send us an email. Join in the chat room tonight. Uh, a, a second consideration, Jacob, if I love my brethren as I should, a second consideration is going to be that I'm going to look for ways to show real care and concern. And uh, emphasis on the look for, I'm going to actually proactively and consciously look for situations where I can be a help to them. Uh, for instance, in regards to physical needs, if there's some physical need that they have, I want to know about that, and I want to step up and and be a help when they are in physical need. Sometimes we hear people say, uh, "Well, I didn't know about that. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know I didn't know that brother so and so or sister so and so was in a situation like that." Well, the response to that would be, "Were you looking? Were you paying attention? Were you being perceptive, or not?" You know, as as People with brotherly love, we should know one another well enough to know that when a situation of physical need, for instance, arises. Galatians 6, verse 10, Paul said, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. We're to look for those opportunities. And when they arise, we should step up to help. If we have the opportunity, we need to be fulfilling them. Along those lines, First John chapter 3, verse 17 says, But whoso hath this world's goods, and sees his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? If we have the ability, and Galatians chapter 6, verse 10 calls it the opportunity, and we fail to take care of our brethren's needs, then we simply don't love them as we should. When, when, he, when James wanted to illustrate the connection between faith and works, he said in James chapter 2, beginning verse 15, If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say to them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. I think there's an implication by James using that as the illustration. I think there's an implication. This would be a given in that in the first century among Christians, it would be a given. You see a brother without the basic necessities of life, you would step up and help them. You wouldn't just talk about it. You'd do it. 
And he says, and that's the way it is between faith and works. You don't just talk about it, you do it. Yeah, he was really emphasizing the fact that we need to have faith and works together. He was using that known. He wouldn't use something that they'd argue about yeah. uh, to illustrate now, well, he, He's using the idea, you'd step up and help your brother, wouldn't right, you? Right. Oh, sure I would. Well, then you ought to demonstrate like, your, your faith by your works. Or uh, you'd come out of the rain, wouldn't you? Yeah. Or, or you wouldn't uh, stick your finger in a light socket. Yeah. You'd help your brother who's in need. Good yeah. point. Yeah. Good point. And then, and then, of course, we've got the overwhelming generosity of those very first Christians in Acts chapter 4, verse 34. For there was not a needy person among them, for all who were owners of lands or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would be distributed to each as any had need. You know, that, that's, that's a, a level of brotherly love that is off the charts by our considerations. I mean, how many people today... Would he ever consider, I got a brother in need, I'll sell my house so I can have some money to help him. That's, I mean, that, that's that's above and beyond what we would even begin to consider, but that's what those first, Christi- first century Christians did as a measure of love. They loved their brethren, and they were looking for ways to show care and concern. Now, that that has to do with physical necessities, Jacob, but I think we also need to have that same desire to help and demonstrate care and concern if there's some spiritual struggle going on in their life. Absolutely. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, tell me that I'm going to do this. Now, it may be uncomfortable. It may not be something that I want to do, but my love for my brethren will drive me and necessitate that I do what may be uncomfortable and unpleasant. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself lest thou also be tempted, bear you one of those burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. That law of Christ there, again, I think is referencing to the fact Christ said that we needed to love our brethren. That's right. You know, we, we were talking about physical needs, Jacob. From time to time, we have situations where brethren have physical needs, and we can help. That's great. I want to tell you, there's always there are always brethren who are in need of our spiritual help, and all we have to do is look around. In any local congregation, there are, there are brethren who could use our strength and encouragement who could use a boost, uh, a positive, uh, uh, you know, uh, assistance of some kind or another? We need we need to be doing that. Uh, in in James chapter five verse nineteen, James said, "Notice this is written to Christian brethren: If any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins." That's the best thing you could ever do for a brother. Uh, would be to restore them if they had fallen away in sin. Uh, that'd be that'd be by far and away the most important act of service that you could ever provide. And if you love your brother, you will do that. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. If you're just joining us, we're talking about brotherly love and how important it is. It is what Jesus said would be a indicator that others could use to determine whether or not we're his disciples. Jacob, one more point along that line of, of I would do anything to help them physically. I should be willing to do anything to help them spiritually if I really love them. That second point, spiritually, to help them spiritually, would would take me even to the point, and this, this, this may seem paradoxical to some people, but it would take me to the point that I'd be willing to withdraw from such a person to alarm him about his spiritual lost condition if it came to that. If, if all other measures had failed, I should love my brother enough that I would do what... Second Thessalonians 3, verses 14 and 15 says, If any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. You know, some people, I, I had a woman one time, Jacob, who when the local church had to take such measures against an erring brother, this woman had been, she was a Christian. She wasn't a member of that congregation, but she had been visiting fairly often. She didn't come back after that. And when we called upon her, she said, that was the most unloving and hateful thing I have ever witnessed in my life. Well, she was dead wrong. That was an act of love. It was done in love because we cared enough about that brother's soul to try and restore him, even to the point if it meant we would withdraw, go through the difficult, unpleasant uh, uh, action of withdrawing ourselves from such an individual it would be a lot easier to look the other direction. If we didn't care about that person, we'd just ignore that, that, what, what was going on spiritually in their life. But because we loved that person enough, we would even take that kind of a step as a last resort.
All right, Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, what you had as well there, has yeah. been mentioned in the chat room, so uh, okay. certainly we need to be willing to do that. Um, I will make a comment. Uh, the chat room has got a lot of activity tonight. We're not going to be able to get to it all, and uh, we'll probably miss most of it in our uh, discussion tonight, but uh, there's some good discussion going back and forth in the chat room tonight. I will mention this. The chat room is now unmoderated. Wide so open. So anybody can comment. You don't have to be a logged-on user. Uh, you can make a comment. Anyone can make a comment in the chat room tonight. If you are watching us from our website, collegeview.com or the virtualbiblestudy.com, uh, go to the show page, follow the instructions on your screen, go to the show page, and you can join in the chat room with other listeners tonight. We don't know why that is sometimes available to us and sometimes not, but tonight it's available. So anybody, don't, you no. don't have to have an account. You can jump in there and begin commenting, uh, uh, but be careful there. It's unmoderated. Behave yourselves in the chat room. All right. Let us know your thoughts, though, uh, with a guaranteed way to get your thoughts known and heard. Uh, around the world tonight on our program is to dial 877-381-4567. That's a toll-free number. We'll pay the bill or uh, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Um, the, uh, another thing I'm going to do, Jacob, if I love my brethren, is that I'm going to seek to maintain peace with my brother. And, and now th- that is not saying that I should compromise truth in order to do it. But I should I should do whatever I can, short of compromising the truth. I should do what I can, everything in my power, to maintain a peaceful relationship with my brother. And I, you know, I, I'm sad to say, it seems to me that there are some people who don't care at all for maintaining peace. In fact, I, I'm sad to say that I've known some brethren. I think that almost wear it as a badge of honor to to sort of report how many different people they've been alienated from through the years over various situations. I don't know if it's a, uh, it is a badge order with some, but I think some take some type of perverted pleasure out of how many people they can be, make, be separated from. Yeah, just, it's just, there's some kind of, maybe it's their ego, maybe it's their pride. Uh, they, they don't mind being at odds with other people. And if someone wants to be mad at me, that's fine. I'd, I'd just I assume care. them be mad at me is not. I don't even care. Yeah. So uh, I don't a, know. a person who has that attitude certainly has not achieved any level of brotherly love. So again, let me restate that we're not going to compromise the truth. That's 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 a given, or I hope it is. Well, I wouldn't love uh, my brethren if, if I, I did compromise. Truth. First John chapter five says if I if I compromise, I don't love them to right. start with. But but short of compromising the truth, I'm going to do what's in my power. To maintain peaceful relationships with my brother. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3, tells us, Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The word endeavoring there uh, is suggested you have to work at this. Peaceful relations between brethren does not happen accidentally. Well, and so if I, I've got to be motivated by love to put forth the effort. In order to be at peace with my brother. Yeah, endeavoring in, in, uh, indicates effort. So does the word forbearing. Forbearing one another means that my brethren may be difficult to get along with peacefully. It may be a challenge for me, but I have to forbear based upon the love that I have for them. Exactly right. Romans 14, verse 19 says, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. I'm supposed to I'm supposed to follow things that make for peace. Uh there are things, you know, you can act in such a way to provoke a fight or you can act in such a way as to calm down a, a stressful situation. Sure. I should do things that make for peace. All right. And notice that uh, in conjunction with that making of peace, notice what the result will be. We'll be able to edify one another. So, again, it's all connected there with our love for one another. Exactly Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. questions at College View. Dot com. We need to take a break and get this week's bullet point. We'll get that uh, bullet point out of the way, and then we'll come back and take your comments, hopefully over the phone or over email. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. One of the best known of Jesus' parables is the parable of the sower. In it, we learn of God's plan for reaching good and honest hearts with the gospel. The seed, according to Luke 8, verse 11, is the word of God, and we are the sowers. The parable teaches us to be sowing the seed anywhere and everywhere with the hope that it will reach the good ground, which will bear fruit. 
It is interesting that Matthew's account of the parable of the sower is followed immediately by the lesser-known parable of the tares. This close connection is not by accident. Jesus wants us to know that just as God has a plan, so also does Satan have a plan. In the parable of the tares, we learn of Satan's plan to hinder God's purpose by sowing false teaching in the world. The parable of the tares tells of a man who planted good seed in his field, but notice, quote, while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Matthew 13, verse 25. Tares are plants that closely resemble wheat in appearance, yet their mature seeds are noxious to man. Thus you can see the awful damage caused by this clandestine activity. It is not difficult to see the parallel to Satan's work in the spiritual realm. He is, for instance, always trying to defeat the purposes of God, according to 2 Peter 2, verses 1 through 3. And secondly, false teachers do their work secretly, often doing their damage while men spiritually are at sleep, unaware of the danger. Third, error does not always appear evil until its fruit has reached maturity. That's why we must constantly stress basic truths and essential principles from God's Word. And finally, our responsibility is to watch and to, quote, try the spirits, 1 John 4, verse 1, so that we will not fall victim to Satan's plan. Yes, Satan has a plan, and we need to be careful. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm James Buchanan from Columbia, Tennessee, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Broadcasting around the world with truth that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. Welcome back into the Virtual Bible Study tonight. Thank you for being a part of it. We will remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. To find out more about the College View Church of Christ and uh, what the College View Church of Christ is all about, visit our website, collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. If you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area, come and visit with the College View Church of Christ at your earliest convenience. We are talking about brotherly love on the program tonight and uh, some things that brotherly love will cause us to do. In just a minute, we'll get to a discussion about some things that will be absent from my life if I have brotherly love as I should. Along the lines of what brotherly love will cause us to do, Anthony in Columbia has sent in this response. He says the manifestation of our love would be that we would be kindly affectioned toward him, Romans chapter 12, verse 10, he references. We would prefer him. We would also uh, help uh, provide his needs in 1 John chapter 3, verse 17. He goes on, he says, we would also admonish him if he has gone astray, 2 Thessalonians 3, 15. We would need to point out the mode in his eye, assuming we have taken the beam out of our own eye, uh, referencing Matthew chapter 7. Excellent comments, Anthony. Thanks, Anthony, for your comments on the virtual Bible study. We've got plenty of time for others to send us an email. There's a lot of talk going on in the chat room, uh, so get involved here with us in the virtual Bible study. We're, we're talking about some of the positive manifestations of brotherly love, J- Jacob. A couple more things quickly before we flip the coin over and look at things we will not do. But uh, one of the things that brotherly love is going to do, and you alluded to this earlier, if I love my brother, I'm going to respect his conscience. Yeah, you know there there are some there are some areas of personal conscience that brethren have, and and some brethren have different positions on certain matters of conscience as we have identified them, uh, and and others may not see it the same way, but I should be able to honor his conscience. Uh, if it's not a sinful matter, obviously, I should be able to honor his conscience like Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse beginning verse 8. They had a big issue. It's not an issue to us, but they had a big issue about eating meats, and they were the meats here specifically once offered to idols. And so the meat had been offered to idols as a sacrifice. Then that meat was taken and sold in the common markets. And some some Christians just felt it was a, you know a horrible thing to eat that meat after it had been sacrificed to the idol. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 8, beginning verse 8, But meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. But if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. And so what Paul was saying there, that he was willing to forego his personal liberties to protect the conscience of his brethren. That's how much he loved them. You know, uh, there, there are too many people today say, I'm going to do what I want to do, and I don't care what anybody thinks about it. Paul loved his brethren at the level in which he would forego his liberty to do certain things just to protect them. And, you know, we read that without much consideration about what Paul was willing to give up. He's willing to make some very large dietary uh, adjustments. You know, uh, we no like meat a, at all. Yeah, well, you know, we like a good piece of meat, and uh, 
a nice hamburger. Paul said, I'll, no more hamburger. No he more said, McDonald's. He, he said, I'll forego flesh altogether. Yeah. For as long as the world stands, for as long as I live, yeah. if that's what it takes. And how many people today would be really willing to do that? And yeah. Certainly, I think and, we'd, we'd stand up and say, it's my right, and I'm not going to, you know, so what? And, and he, didn't, he didn't belittle or ridicule those who dis, who, that, he, that were in disagreement on that point. His main concern was their spiritual welfare, and that was the thing that motivated him. He loved them. And so he said, I'm not important in this matter. Uh, it, and I'll forego my own rights in order to protect them. All right. That, that's a great attitude of love that we will have. And, and finally. And what, I'm missing a lot of, uh, I'm sorry, I'm missing a lot of comments in the chat room tonight. But the last one here is from Katie Kelly. Uh, and, uh, and this listener says, in our country, we tend to focus on our right rather than our responsibility. I believe that's right. Okay. I believe that's exactly right. Uh, l- the last thing I had on my list of things, Jacob, that brotherly love will cause me to do is, if the if the tables are turned and I'm the we we talked about I would go to my brother and if he needed to be admonished or corrected or restored I would go to him. If the tables are turned and I'm the one who needs to be corrected or restored or straightened out, I'll be willing to accept that if it's coming my direction. If I love my brother, you, you know, if it is such a thing that I need to be to be instructed then I should be open to that. Uh, Proverbs 27, verse 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. You know, if someone cares enough, if someone else loves me enough to come to me and say, you know, Greg, you were wrong in that, and you should do differently, you should correct that, it would have been a lot easier for them to just ignore it, sweep it under the rug, look the other direction. But they cared enough about me to come to me with that issue I should realize that they they really are showing their love in that matter, and I should react positively rather than defensively or or or, or somehow get bitter or resentful over that. If I if they loved me and I love them, and if they've come to me to help me, I should be willing to accept that. Absolutely. All right. Good comments, and uh, we want to hear from you. Give us a call. Send us an email. Plenty of time on the program tonight. What do you think about brotherly love? Certainly, it is something. That you've given consideration, as Jesus said, it is so important in John 13, verses 34 and 35. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one to another. So how do you show that love? Let us know your thoughts on the program. You mentioned uh, being willing to accept uh, instruction from my brethren indicates that I have love for them. I think also willing, being willing to uh, take the physical assistance as well shows that my my love for my brother yeah, because I'm willing to allow them to fulfill their obligation. If, towards if me. I've got some physical need, uh, I should not be so proud that I wouldn't let somebody help me if I needed help. And sure. That's exactly right. All right. Uh, let us know your thoughts. Join in the discussion tonight. And if you're not in the chat room already, follow the instructions on your screen as there is some good discussion going on there. Um, we will not. One, in regards to, to our last point, one one person in the chat room says, "I have so much appreciation." Whoa, I'm losing that comment. Let me scan. I that. have so much appreciation for a brother who confronts me and cares enough to save me from a particular sin. Exactly right. Yeah, so that's a good comment. All right. All right. Now let's 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 turn the tables and let's let's talk about what I will not do. In other words, if I love my brother, what are some of the things that will not be in my thoughts and actions toward him? Uh, in other words, it should keep me from doing certain things. And I, I want to start out with the idea of it will keep me from being selfish, at being selfishly motivated. When Paul wrote about true love, the true aspects of love, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7, I'm not going to read all of that. But you remember one of the phrases in the description of what true love is like is it does not seek its own. Love does not seek its own. So if I love my brother, I'm not my, my relationship with him is not ruled by the question, what's in it for me? Um, if I love him, then I'm not seeking my own. I'm seeking what's good for him. And that is, by the way, Jacob, the meaning of the word that Jesus used. You referenced just a minute ago that text that we started out with, John 13, verses 34 and 35. Uh, you know, love one another as I have loved you. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have loved one for another. The word for love there is the Greek word agape. And agape, agape rather, vine, here, here's Vine's definition of agape. I think most of our listeners know it already. He says, not an impulse from the feelings, but rather an exercise of the will in a deliberate choice, not drawn out by any excellency in its object. In other words, it's not because the person that you love is so excellent. It seeks the welfare of all, seeks opportunity to do good 
self-will, that is self-pleasing, is the negation of this love. Selfishness is the opposite of true agape love. Agape love is to seek the best interest of the other. And that's the love we're supposed Regardless to have. of their worthiness of that. Right, right. And that's indicated by Christ loving us. We weren't worthy of his love. We didn't deserve it. And nor does our brother have to deserve the love that we should show them. Right. Um, and so we, uh, and then as you said, though, that is a selfless uh, thing. And it can be commanded. You know, these things don't have this uh, love in our society is some kind of feeling that just comes over you in a wave. This kind of love is a command. We need we are in control of whether or not we love our brothers. Exactly right. First uh, Corinthians ten twenty four. Let no one seek his own good, but that of his neighbor. Philippians two three and four. Let not, uh, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. That's plain. That's a plain statement. It's hard. It's hard to do, but it's very plain to understand that's the way we should be viewing it. If we have love, that's what we'll do. The, I really believe, Jacob, that the root cause of so many problems between people, and this includes problems between brethren, is a selfish outlook on things. If we could get past that, we would solve a lot of problems. And the, these verses that you mentioned here give us the formula for how we love our brother. You know, someone says, how can I have those feelings towards them? How can I avoid selfishness? You know, how can I be the person I should be in relation to them? Well, you do it by following the commands here. Don't seek your own. Uh, seek their own needs. Uh, don't uh, ha- be selfish. Yeah. All right. And then you can uh, have the love that you need. The next one is real closely associated to that, Jacob. I'm going to be free of pettiness if I have love for my brother. I won't let petty things come between us. Uh, selfishness breeds pettiness. And with a selfish outlook, it's easy to react in in a petty way to the slightest, most insignificant things. And I'm sure that many of our listeners tonight would agree that, unfortunately, you have seen situations arise between brethren where the slightest little insignificant thing just caused a major blow up. And that's what we're talking about here. We will not be petty. In 1 Corinthians 13, again, that description of love, another one of the descriptive phrases is, true love is not easily provoked. If, If I really love someone... I'm not going to be the kind of person who has a chip on my shoulder. And if that person does the slightest little thing, knock a chip off my shoulder, I'm going to be mad. I am not going to be easily provoked. If I love them, it will, it will not, some little thing will not come between us. When you see brethren who, who uh, have strife and animosity over the slightest, most insignificant little things, you can be sure that there's not a proper level of brotherly love. All right, again, and some would say, well, that's just the way I am. I have a hot temper. I'm easily provoked. No, it's a command. You're not to be easily provoked, and therefore we are under in, under control. We are responsible for whether or not we're easily provoked. And if we love our brethren as we should, we will not be easily provoked. I think another thing, I'm going to keep adding to the list real quick. We're running out of time. We've got to get to some of these emails too. Another thing that I won't do, if I love my brother, I'm not going to be guilty of gossip. Uh, Paul said... Uh, that uh, in Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20, he said, For I am afraid that perhaps when I come, I may find you to be not what I wish, that perhaps there may be strife, jealousy, angry, tempers, disputes, slanders, gossip, arrogance, disturbances. When those kind of things exist, then there's no proper level of love. Uh, gossip is a sign that I, if I gossip, if I, if I tell tales on my brother, it's a sure sign I don't love him. If I loved him, I would not be spreading an evil report about him. I wouldn't be talking badly about him to others. If he needs help, I'll help him, but I should not just go around. You know what happens a lot of times is people don't do what they should do. They don't step up to help him. And instead, they go around his, behind his back and start gossiping about him. Sure, absolutely. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. There's one big one here you've got on your list. Go ahead. Uh, if I do not, uh, if I will love my brother as I should, I will not be guilty of Harboring a grudge, failing to forgive him. Failing to forgive, exactly right. We, we've talked before about forgiveness and how important it is. Uh, Jesus said, the, uh, well, I'm going to skip that. I'm going to go to Ephesians 4, verse 32. Ephesians 4, 32. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Uh, we were forgiven. We need to forgive. Keith wrote, uh, one of the greatest manifestations of love will be to forgive the brother of sin and encourage the person to live for the Lord. We can't talk about brotherly love if we keep their old baggage in our trunks. 
so uh, Keith agrees that forgiveness is a big sign of that. Um, let me read a little more of what he said here, Jacob. He goes on to say, I believe Paul did an excellent job in 1 Corinthians 13 of telling us about the nature of love. Selfishness is void of all these qualities. In other words, selfishness is not love. So anything that is negatively impacted by a lack of love are those things which will not be present if we truly have brotherly love. We will not be condemning but consoling, forgiving, not maligning. It is of great importance to note that Jesus said by this the world would know that we are his followers. All right. Anthony in Columbia says we will not put a stumbling block in his path. First Corinthians 8, Romans 14, 3. We will not be angry at him without a cause. Matthew 5, 22. We will not judge him harshly in regard to matters of opinion. Romans 14, 10. We will not bring a lawsuit against our brother over a personal problem. First Corinthians 6, verse 6. We will not defraud him. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 6. We will not speak evil of him. James chapter 4, verse 11. We will not be a busybody in his matters, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 15. Anthony has uh, composed a good sermon there. Yeah, that uh, makes a sermon. Uh, uh, point number two there. So thank you for those good comments, Anthony and uh, Keith as well. We need to take one more break, and when we get back, we've uh, been teasing you about uh, the topic of hospitality. We do need to cover that topic, and we'll cover it briefly on the other side. We won't be able to say all that we need to say about it, but we'll certainly get into the discussion. We'd like to hear from you on the program. Join in the chat room. Uh, or over the phone or over email tonight. If you're in the chat room, you do not have to have a login to be a part of the program. Why not just send in a message? Let us know where you're listening from tonight so the other listeners that are out there can know uh, who's joining them on the program. Just send a message. Tell us where you are tonight. We're going to take a break and go to the top of the hour right after this. Stay tuned. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Do you remember a time when no one had ever heard of a church with a family life center or a gymnasium? Can you think back to a time when good brethren would have been outraged to see a church budget overloaded with kitchen equipment and supplies, athletic equipment, and buses to carry kids to amusement parks? Are you concerned because the church you're attending has gotten all wrapped up in things that you know should not even be a part of the work of the church? Would you like to find a congregation that is committed to simply doing Bible things in Bible ways? If so, please visit the College U Church of Christ. Come see for yourself. Hi, my name is Mike Holt. My wife and I, we love listening to the virtual Bible study. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight as we talk about brotherly love. We're glad that you're out there. We have listeners tonight uh, from Edmond, Oklahoma, four of them actually now. Neutron John is the fourth from Edmond, Oklahoma. We have listeners in Florida, South Carolina, Greenville, Mississippi, uh Fresno, California, Hot Springs, Arkansas. Good uh, uh, audience. We got, and we got a, a good contingent of listeners right here in Middle Tennessee, too. Jennings, uh, Florida is on the line as well. Dan wrote in an email, and we we just briefly commented. He wanted to know uh, how how can we make sure that we don't cause our brother to stumble, 1 Corinthians 18. Uh, first, I'm sure he means 1 Corinthians 8. Uh, that's probably something we need to develop a little more thoroughly in another study. But, Dan, thanks for listening. I will try to cover that a little more thoroughly. Thank you, Dan. And we have a listener in Louisiana, and he this listener's on the phone. Jack in Louisiana is here. Jack, thanks for calling. Are you there, Jack? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm here. Jack, where are you in Louisiana? I'm uh, about five miles from the Texas borderline and uh, close to Logansport, Louisiana. All right. Well, glad to hear from you tonight. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually about 50 miles south of uh, Shreveport, Louisiana. Okay. Well, thanks for listening to Louisiana tonight. What's on your mind? Okay. Uh, I was kind of holding off uh, calling you. I wanted to hear some of the comments and things that were being made. But I've noticed something. Uh, most of the conversation is dealing with how how others act and what I can do to keep them from stumbling. But there is one key uh, factor, if you want to look at it like that, is how do I respond to the way they act? For instance, what about those that are are spiritually weak? Or what about an angry brother? Uh, you know, the Bible talks about the feeble-minded. Uh, what about uh, those that have off days or, or personalities that uh, maybe you don't quite, uh, you know, can compete with very well, if you want to say. My point is this, is my responsibility to love my brother is within my heart, no matter what external evidences or actions that they may conduct, whether they're godly or ungodly. Yeah, in other words, my obligation to him is independent of how he's acting. Yes. 
Exactly right. I think you're exactly yeah, right. A lot of people are guilty, though, I think, of excusing their, their selves. You know, it's like if someone treats me bad, then then then, I, then all the restrictions on my behavior are thrown out the window. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're exactly right, Jack. And, and you know, we got to be real careful about that because I think all of us are tempted to say, well, if that guy's not going to act right, then I don't care to act right back toward him. And, and uh, we we are not excused from our duty just because someone else is not doing their duty. You know, that would be true, of, for instance, the husband and wife relationship. If, if, if my wife is not acting the way she should, I still got to act the way I'm supposed to act. In other words, our responsibilities and our accountability before God are not contingent on other people. I and, think. And, and also, just let me uh, finish one thing on that. Based upon that, according to 1 Corinthians 13, that we're to believe all things and hope in all things, and I think that applies to our brethren, too, until they prove themselves otherwise, but we should still love them because we are God's creatures that he loved us enough to die for. So yeah, we, that's right. Yeah, even even you're right, Jack. And even as we mentioned there in Second Thessalonians three fourteen and fifteen, I, I might have to withdraw from a brother, but I still should love him as a brother. Still love him, even that, no matter what he does. You still love him. God is the one who will take care of everything in the end. You, so you're gonna give him the benefit of the doubt. I think is what you're saying, Jack. Yes, if all possible, I would love to give him the benefit of the doubt, and that keeps peaceful relationships and also helps them to mature as well as myself. That's right. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate you calling from Louisiana. Uh, all right, Great bye-bye. to hear from Jack tonight. Uh, the line is open now if you'd like to call 877-381-4567. They're still chiming in in the chat room tonight. We have Orangeburg, South Carolina, Cudahua, Kentucky, Aiken, South Carolina, and we have Texas on the line as well tonight. So uh, if you've not chimed in with your location tonight, uh, let us know where you are. It's great to hear from you on the program tonight. Let's talk about hospitality real quick. Uh, Anthony says, that uh, if we have brotherly love, we will use hospitality one to another as a manifestation of that love, according to 1 Peter 4, verse 9. Also, the more time we spend with one another, the better we will get to know each other, the more opportunity we will have to support each other. I think that's exactly right. I think hospitality is a great tool to use in this matter of, of brotherly love. If I can know my brother better, then I'll be more attuned to his needs and how I can help him. It just provides all opportunity. It is a sign of love, I think. I think, Anthony, I think you're right on there, Anthony. All right. Uh, Keith uh, says uh, that hospitality is the act of sharing and caring, so reminiscent uh, of New Testament Christians. We read of saints selling their goods for the benefit of others. They help each other. They aid in each other's homes. What a marked difference between then and now. I can remember when I first started preaching, brethren opened their homes up on a continuous basis for meals, singings, Bible studies. It was not unusual. Uh, to head to someone's home on a weekly basis to study with someone who needed Jesus. Perhaps this also explains why many congregations have stagnated. Yeah, I think so. We don't know our brethren as well as we should. I'm, I'm alarmed to find situations where people in a in a congregation don't even know one another, don't even know the names of each other. How can we manifest brotherly love if we are not even acquainted with one another? We've got to work at that. We've got to put forth effort in that regard. Uh, Anthony mentioned in his email, 1 Peter 4, verses 8 and 9, Above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. A lot of people excuse themselves on this hospitality thing, Jacob, by saying that was first century. That was they they try to argue that it was exclusively loving love for strangers. In other words, if someone was passing through and they needed accommodations, the people did that for them, and that's true, they did. But now they say we don't need that anymore because there's good public accommodations. People don't uh, people are, are more affluent and better, and they're better circumstances. They don't need us to to open our homes to them when they're traveling and so forth. And I think they I think they miss. The, the idea of First Peter 4, verses 8 and 9, when it's charity one to another uh, and and hospitality one to another, uh, I think it includes, it's not just love of strangers, it's including being hospitable to those in our own immediate circle. There's no condition placed on that. It doesn't say if it's needed, because it is needed. That's a given. We need to, uh, to uh, understand so, the command. So hospitality is commanded. It's a necessary thing. Uh, I mean, we are all benefited by it. Uh, it, it. It draws us closer together. And here's some suggestions that I would offer, Jacob, because I know we're pretty close to being out of time. 
to be better at hospitality, I think one of the things we need to do is realize that it is an outgrowth of the kind of love that we've been talking about tonight. We've been talking about brotherly love. Hospitality is an outgrowth of that. And it, we could even use it, I think, as a successful barometer of our brotherly love. If if I don't care to be around my brethren, if I don't care to share hospitality with them, if I don't care to be in their home and have them into my home, if I just rather not, then that's that's an indication that there's something lacking in that in that loving relationship that ought to exist. If I love my brethren, I want to be around them in in my home and theirs, sharing hospitality. Uh, so I think we need to realize that hospitality is an outgrowth of that kind of brotherly love. As you mentioned in First Peter chapter four verses eight and nine, that fervent charity is followed up with the command to use hospitality. So it is, as you said, an outgrowth and a manifestation of our love. But you, if you're going to do it, then you're going to have to make a conscious effort. You're going to have to do uh, some some. It's going to be work. It's not going to be convenient. You're going to have to get out of the uh, your comfort zone, so to speak. Uh, Romans 12 verse 13 says, "Distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality." And that word, "given to hospitality," there suggests you're working at it. You're okay. pursuing it. Okay. Uh, it will also be the kind of thing that I will do to all, not to my. You know, one of the things you got to guard against in a local congregation is that you know, the sort of a clique develops of a, a certain group of people who are close friends, and sure, they're glad to go to each other's houses back and forth, but it's just in that circle. And Jesus even warned about that in Luke chapter fourteen, verse twelve. He says, he said to them. Uh, when you make a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends nor thy brethren, neither thy kinsmen nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again, and a recompense be made thee. But when thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. I don't think Jesus is saying it would be wrong for me to have my my friends, my brother, my, you know, my closest friends uh, into my home. But he, he's saying the real test here is when I do this to people who are not even in a position to be able to return the favor. That's the real demonstration of this that we're talking about in hospitality. If I love them, I'll do that for them, even if they're not able to return the favor. All right, and in First uh, Peter chapter four verse nine, it says to use hospitality to another one to another without grudging. Explain that. Well, yeah, I can I can just envision someone says, well, I guess I'll do it. Because I have to. I don't really want to, but I better have some people over to the house because, you know, the preacher's been preaching on this hospitality thing. And I and guess it's an obligation. I got it's a to. Drudgery. I got to. I don't want to. We've got to be around them again tonight. Yeah. Uh, and so you do it, but you do it with grudging. And I think the fact of the matter is if, if that's your attitude about it, you might as well not do it until you can get yourself out of that attitude. You know, to do it with grudging it ruins the whole purpose and effect of it. Get yourself past that. Get your mind right, and then you can do it with love. All right. A couple comments along these lines. A.A. Uh, a. McKinney in the chat room says, isn't hospitality more of a commandment than a suggestion? And uh, to that question, Ghost Rider 88 says, yes, but we treat it, treat it like a suggestion too often. I certainly agree with that. It is not a command. It's not a take it or leave it kind of thing. If you feel like being hospitable, do it. It is a command that we need to use hospitality to one another without grudging. All right. Uh, another comment there. I have to seek out those of my brethren that do not have someone to speak with. How uncomfortable it is when no one is there to talk with you. In other words, she, she, this person is saying even in the assemblies, we, we can show this brotherly love and this openness you know, again, if we don't just go off and talk to the people who are our best friends, you know, our closest associate. I, mean, I think it's natural in a congregation. You're going to have some people that you're more naturally uh, affected toward. You just have a there's there's just a more of a natural bond. That's fine. That's good, in fact. But you can't allow that to keep you from reaching out to everyone else, and you need to do that as well. Sherry, Sharon says it's very uncomfortable to be surrounded by Christians when visiting somewhere and just stand while everyone is in their groups visiting. And I've been to places like that. I mean, you have, to, I'm sure, as well, where you're there, and it's uh, like you're just, uh, you know, might as well leave. Bug on the wall. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, we've had a good discussion about love, and uh, we haven't even uh, – Really, even scratch the surface. No, that's right. There's a lot. There's a lot to this subject, and there's a lot of important things to consider. But I do believe I want to go back to the point we made at the first, 
And that is that our relationship with God is no better than, no stronger than our relationship with our brethren. Because John said, how can you say that you love God whom you haven't seen if you don't love your own brother who you have seen? John's saying, if you can't, if you can't love your brother, then you're not going to be able to achieve the abstract matter of loving God that you can't even see. Nor are you going to be able to affect anyone else to try and get them to live right because that's how one way that people will be able to tell that you're Christ's disciples if you have love one to another. Exactly right. All right, Dad. Thank you for the good discussion. Thank you, Jay. You know, we live in a world that is uh, very wicked, and we are often concerned about the wickedness we see in the world around us. But to think about uh, the program tonight, we've had listeners from every coast, uh, uh, from east to west and from north probably to south. We often have some listeners from up north as well. A group of people on the Internet interested in learning more about God's will. Certainly, it's That's been an, an encouragement. encouragement. Exactly right. And we appreciate you being out there tonight, and we hope you'll make plans to be back next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study and bring a friend. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.